0: I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater.
1: Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P Pep. Kellogg's Pep. The Sunshine Cereal presents the Adventures of Superman. <laughs> Today, while Clark Kent searches frantically for Jimmy Olsen and Jack Wilson, bigoted Vincent Kirby plans a vicious smear campaign with the imprisoned boys as his unwilling tools. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, uh, how are you coming along with your collection of comic buttons in that new series from Packages of Kellogg's Pet? You got any duplicates around that you want to swap with your pals? And uh, are all your pet comic buttons pinned firm and sturdy on your jacket or your dresser cap, so everybody can tell how many you've collected. Say, you want to keep track of these prizes, you know. They're mighty good-looking. They're pictures of favorite funny paper characters, like a Brenda Starr and Spud and a Little Moose and Cindy and Superman, of course. Yes, sir, you want to collect all 18 of them. So hop to it, gang. Ask Mom to get you a package or two of Kellogg's Pet. That's the prize package where you get these swell prizes. You don't send in any money, not even a box stop, and you can't buy them anywhere. But there's a comic button in every package of Pep you open. And say, Pep's a prize package when it comes to good breakfast eating, too. Crisp and fresh and, and golden toasted. It's just as sunny and golden as you'd expect when it's called the Sunshine Cereal. Believe me, these toasty whole wheat flakes give breakfast and your day a grand start. So ask Mom for P-E-P, the Sunshine Cereal, Kellogg's Pep. And now, the adventures of Superman. Superman. In an attempt to trap Joe McMillan, an agent for a group of vicious bigots who have begun a campaign to spread race hatred in the city schools, cup reporter Jimmy Olson and Jack Wilson, captain of the Metropolis High School basketball team, were caught and taken to a hideout. McMillan summoned Vincent Kirby, the wealthy and aristocratic leader of the hate mongers, who telephoned Clark Kent and, posing as a storekeeper, told Kent that Jimmy had asked him to forward a message that the two boys were safe and on the trail of a big story. That done, Kirby turns back to McMillan exultant. His eyes gleaming with maniacal excitement. Listen. Now, Joe, within 24 hours, you will see hate, murderous hate, rage through Metropolis like fire. And no youngster of foreign ancestry will be safe on the streets of the city. Are you serious, Mr. Kirby? You bet I am. You see, this is the moment the Knights of the White Carnation have been waiting for, Joe. Look, you're going too fast for me, Mr. Kirby. I don't get it. All right. Listen. We've already got a lot of high school kids furious with those two basketball players, Pulaski and Rizzuti. Because they think they threw the championship game the other night, right? Well, sure, that's right, but I don't... You get... even managed to get a pretty good riot started, didn't you? We sure did, but what's well, that... Well, now, Joe, such riots will take place in every school in Metropolis. How do you figure to do that? I intend to use the two spies you caught. You mean Jim Olson and Jack Wilson? That's right. They've got good American names, and Wilson is captain of the Metropolis high team. So? So when Olson and Wilson disappear, and everyone is led to believe that foreign youngsters were responsible for their disappearance... We'll have the spark we need to set off citywide riots against foreigners. You see? Well, yeah, but how are you gonna make everybody think firing kids are responsible? I'll show you. Here. I'll get that mask on against you. Yeah. Now bring in Jim Olson. Ah! Wilson, I want you to phone in a little story to your newspaper, The Daily Planet. Yeah? What kind of a story? A story to the effect that you and Jack Wilson have uncovered evidence revealing that Metropolis High's Phil Kaplan and Michael Kelly were also paid off by gamblers to help Rizzuti and Pulaski throw the championship basketball game the other night. Hey, what an idea. Are you kidding? Your story, Olson, must also say that you and Wilson will present your evidence to the district attorney in the morning.
2: That's all, huh? That's all. Well, get this, Mr. Maskface? Face. The only story I'll write is to repeat that Cass Pulaski and Tony Rizzuti didn't throw the game. And that tin horn gambler who said they did lie. Also, that Phil Kaplan and Mickey Kelly weren't involved with any gamblers either. Now, look here, old... We'll Furthermore, see. my story, when I write it, will say you guys deliberately framed Cass and Tony for the sole purpose of starting race trouble in our schools.
3: Isn't that true? He's a real bright boy, ain't
1: he, Mr. K? He certainly is, Joe. That's why I'm sure you'll see that it's to his advantage to do as I say. Oh,
2: yeah? I can see what you guys are up to. A story like that came now, out. Now, listen,
1: be smart and do as I say. Pick up the phone and give that story to your newspaper. Like
2: what, I will. You will, all right. It's what you think.
4: Neither you nor anybody else can make me do a dirty thing like that. Oh, no, we'll see about that. Now! Oh, I don't care. Oh. Break my won't do it. And you'll sing another tone in a minute, I,
2: buddy. I won't. That dirty hate spreaders... Is... I don't care what you do to me, but, but I won't
3: help you on your rotten rotten. Let hurt. him go, Joe. All right,
1: just give me a couple oh. more seconds. Let so him can... go, I said. Well, did he good to us? His arms are broken. Well, okay. But how are you going to make a phone in that store?
3: You can't make me.
1: I think we can, Olsen. Listen carefully. You wouldn't want to see anything happen to your friend, Jack Wilson, would you? What do you mean? Now, the other night before the game, Pulaski and Rizzuti were beaten up, remember? Sure.
2: Joe here and Fargo, that big mug in the other room, beat them up. So they wouldn't be able to play well, and it would look as if they were throwing the
1: game. Yes. Well, those boys didn't get a very bad beating, Olson. No. They lived. You follow me? What? No, you I... You see, Joe and Fargo are very skillful at that sort of thing. If they were to beat up Wilson now, and I neglected to tell him to go easy on him, Wilson might not live. No, Mike, have
2: No, you, you wouldn't do it. You, you're just trying to scare me. You think
1: so? Joe, tell Fargo to bring the Wilson boy in here. Yes. No, wait. You wouldn't do it. Hey, Fargo, bring that Wilson punk in here. We're going to do
2: a little job on it. Okay, Joe. This I'm going to lie. No, wait. You wouldn't dare. Wait. I'll do what you want.
1: I thought you would. Take it back, Fargo. Anything you say. I right, please go, Wilson. Close the door, Joe. Okay. All right, Olson. pick up the phone and give your story of the Daily Planet. I,
5: you mean
2: now?
1: Naturally. really? I want it in the first edition tomorrow.
2: But, but it's night. The planet is a daily
4: paper.
1: I know all about that. There's a night man on duty to take stories and a night city editor. So quit stalling and phone in the story.
2: But, but wait a minute. And go on, Olson.
4: Pick up that phone. But wait
2: a minute. I can't dictate a story right off the top of my head. Anyhow, there are no rewrite men there at night. So if you want this in the first edition tomorrow, you'll have to let me write it up.
1: Yeah, very well. Shouldn't take you more than five minutes to write it up. You got a pen? Yeah, but I haven't any paper. plenty over there in that desk. Now get busy. Oh. Well, Okay Boy, what an idea I think I've got it all Forget how, Mr. Kirby Quiet, you fool Don't mention my name Why, he can't hear After this story
2: breaks
3: In a planet tomorrow You come out with another story In your paper, blade Saying Olsen and Wilson Didn't show up at the DA's office Because foreign kids grabbed them. Right, exactly
1: Well, Olsen What's holding you off?
2: Take it easy, will you? I'm not a very fast rider He's
1: solid I'll give you exactly five minutes No more then you phone the story to the planet,
4: or it'll be the end of Jack Wilson.
1: <laughs> With his forehead furrowed and caught, perspiration beating his thin, freckled face, Jimmy Olsen sits at Joe McMillan's desk, composing his story for the Daily Planet, a desperate prayer propelling his laboring pen. Oh, God. don't
2: catch on to what I'm going to say. And if only Mr. Kent is at the planet tonight... To see this story, it's got to work.
5: It's got to...
1: What does Jimmy mean? What desperate chance is he taking? As Jimmy Olson labors over the story, Vincent Kirby has commanded him to write for the Daily Planet. Clark Kent is at the office of his friend, Candy Myers, the private detective, to whom he has just confided his fears. Candy, the DA isn't convinced that Jim and Jack Wilson are in trouble, but I am. That phone call from a supposed storekeeper saying that the boys are okay sounded phony to me. Why, Kent? Because in the first place he hung up too fast when I asked him where his store was. He might have been busy, customers or something. Yeah, maybe, but there's also this. The agent for the hate mongers, the fellow called Joe, came for Jim and Jack at the lunch wagon tonight instead of phoning them as he'd arranged to do. That makes me believe he suspected they might be spies. Uh Uh-oh, if he does, the boys are in trouble. Sure they are. I want you to put every man in your organization on the case at once, Candy. Never mind the expense. The planet will pay you. Ah, forget the pay. Jim's a friend of mine. Well, also, I'll do anything I can to slap those hate rats behind bars. Good. What do we got to work on? What clues, I mean.
5: Well,
1: not very much, I'll admit. Except we know what this fellow Joe looks like. Yeah, tall, thin, pasty faced Nothing distinctive there. Oh, I know. Then there's this handbill Joe passed out of Metropolis High. Did you look at it? Mm. No print of label on it, Kent. No. Hard to trace. What else? Just the white carnations. White carn... Oh, you mean the flowers Joe gave Jim and Wilson? That's right. Now, maybe if you can find the florist who sold the carnations to Joe, it's just possible that he buys a lot of them. That's a sweet assignment, covering all the florists in town, especially at night. Well, I'll help you cover them. We've got to act fast, Candy. You don't have to tell me that. I'll call all my boys off any other case they're on and put them on this. Where will you be, Kent? Uh Oh, well, I'll, I'll keep in touch with you, Candy. And for heaven's sake, let's have some action now. <laughs> As Parks, and Candy Myers begin their desperate search for Jimmy Olson and Jack Wilson, the night reporter in the almost deserted Daily Planet City Room walks hurriedly to the night city editor's desk. Hiya, Sam. Hey, take a like, look at this story. Jim
4: Wilson just phoned in. Uh-oh. Two other kids involved in the high school basketball scandal, eh? Isn't
1: that something? Sure is. You say Jim phoned this uh-huh. in? Well, it's funny. I thought Jim and Mr. Kip were positive those kids had been framed. That's they were mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jim say he was coming in? Your office had to run the story exactly as it. Okay, I'll put it
4: in a box of page one. If Jim calls in again, tell him his story. He'll be on page one in the
1: first edition. Shaking his head, the Knights of the Editor prepares to place the hate-smearing story that Jim was forced by the leader of the Knights of the White Carnation to write on page one of the Daily Planet. We know Jim was praying for Clark Kent to see that story. But Kent, as Superman, is now searching the city for his young friends following only the slimmest of clues. What will happen? The moment was never tenser, fellows and girls, so don't miss tomorrow's exciting episode. It's packed with thrills, so be sure to tune in tomorrow. Same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comic Magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Behold
3: my process. Ooh, let do
0: something right here, aha. Uh-huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah! But with exclusive loot on surprises known to you door every month! Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, Daddy! <laughs> <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Calabunga. To the Loot Gaming Video Game Box! Woohoo! hoo To Loot Crate Box, what's with kids
1: Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Kellogg's Pep, P-E-P, Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the Sunshine Cereal presents the Adventures of Superman. Today, while Clark Kent continues to track down a slim clue to the whereabouts of Jim Olsen and Jack Wilson, he is unaware that the Cub reporter is a victim of the brutal hate mongers. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. You know, there's literally no end to the excitement when you're collecting those swell comic buttons in that new series catalogs Pep is putting out. No sooner have you added a new button to your collection than you're looking forward to getting another one when Mom opens a new package of Pep. And then there's that business of swapping duplicates with your pals, too, and comparing notes to see who's collected the most different Pep comic buttons. There were 18 in this new series, you know, and everyone is mighty smart-looking and mighty amusing, too, Uh, like the one of the little moose with his feather headdress or Goofy with his silly grin. And say, here's how easy it is to collect these exciting prizes. You don't send in any money, not even a box stop, and you can't find them anywhere. You just ask Mom for Kellogg's Pep and look for your comic button in every package you open. That's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Pep, the golden toasted whole wheat flakes with that catchy sunshine flavor. Ask Mom for P-E-P, the sunshine cereal, Kellogg's Pep. And say, remember that surprise that I told you about yesterday? Now, I can't tell you all about it yet, but I can give you a little hint. There's a new Pep collection for you to start on, and it's a honey. A little later, I'll tell you when this offer starts, so stick around. And now, the adventures of Superman. <laughs> cub reporter Jimmy Olsen, and Jack Wilson, captain of the Metropolis High School basketball team fell into the hands of the Knights of the White Carnation, a secret group of vicious hate spreaders. Vincent Kirby, wealthy and aristocratic leader of the group, saw his chance to stir up race riots in all the city schools. Threatening Jack's life, Kirby forced Jimmy to phone in a story to the Daily Planet, falsely stating that four players on the Metropolis High team had accepted bribes to throw a championship game. As we continue now, Superman, who has searched vainly through the night for Jimmy and Jack, has resumed his guise of reporter Clark Kent. And we find him in Editor Perry White's office in the Daily Planet. Listen. Between us, Candy Myers, his men and I visited every florist shop that was open last night and Drew blanks. Candy and his boys are covering the rest of them now. What in the world are you talking about, Kent? Those white carnations that the agitator Joe, whatever his name is, gave Jim and Jack Wilson yesterday. What about those white carnations? Well, it's my hunch that the hate mob used them for identification purposes. I just thought if we could find a florist who's been selling white carnations to a man answering Joe's description, we could trace him and so find Jim and young Wilson. Find them? Uh-huh. What for? What do you mean what for? Are you kidding? Well, of course not. Of course not. Jim and the Wilson boy are okay. They are. Well, of course they are. Well, how do you know? Holy cow. Don't you read your own paper? I, I haven't it. had a chance to look at the paper this morning. What is it? Hurry up, Chief. Put me out of my misery. Oh, okay, here. Read it for yourself. See. Uh, that box on page one. Uh-huh. Two more high school players involved in basketball scandal. Kaplan and Kelly revealed as taking bribes by young planet reporters. What the? Terrible, isn't it? Where did you get this story, Jim? By Jim phoned it in last night. Jim phoned it in? Sure. Well, that's how we knew he was okay. Apparently, he and Jack Wilson dug up the evidence and then... Well, but Jim couldn't have phoned this story. I tell you, he did. It's impossible. None of those basketball players took bribes to throw the game. It was all a frame-up. Jim knew that and so did Jack. So that's how much you know about it. Read the story. But I tell he you... It exactly as Morgan the Nightman took it over the phone from Jim. Now, go on, go on, go on. Read it. Forfeiting right. honor for fortune... Four basketball players are now involved in the forbidding scandal which is raking high school athletics fore and aft and forcing attention on the most forlorn scene in score years. See, Jim wrote that lead, Chief? Yeah, pretty flowery, isn't it? Sam Miller, who was on the city desk last night, uh, wanted to rewrite it. But Murphy said it, he insisted that uh, Jim wanted it to go just exactly as it is. He did, eh? Yes, since it was a scoop for the kid, uh, Sam decided to let it go. But I'll take Jim in hand and teach him how to write a decent lead. Jim didn't write this story, Chief. Why do you say that, Kent? I tell you, Morgan spoke to him. Don't you think Morgan knows Jim's voice by now? Well, he ought to, but well, he does. Wait a minute, I'm getting an idea. Well, if it's as bad as your last ones no, about no, no, this wait. basketball business, you wait, just wait, saved Chief, it. wait, hold it. According to the rest of this story, Jim and Jack Wilson would appear in the district attorney's office at nine o'clock this morning and present their evidence against Kaplan and Kelly. That's right. They're probably there now. I doubt. Oh it. yeah. Well, call the DA and see for yourself. Just what I'm going to do. I'll take it. Never mind. I'm right here. Hello, Clark Kent speaking. Oh, hello, Mr. Agnew. I've just got to call you. The VA? Yes. Well, that's what I was going to call about. Uh, are they there? They're not. Chairman Wilson, aren't they in his office? No, she... Well, what the... Yes, I know it's 10 o'clock, but I... You did, eh? I see. No, they're not here, but I think I know what this is all about. Now, listen, please, please, wait a minute. I'll be right over to explain, Mr. Agnew. Right. So long. Jim isn't and then where, where is he? He's in the hands of the hate mob, of course. They must have made him phone in that story last night. They it, certainly. It's as plain as the nose on your face, Chief. Here, wait a minute. Look at Jim's story. Now, read his lead again. He couldn't have written a lead that badly unless he wanted to. And obviously he did want to because that lead is a code. Are you serious? Sure, look. He says... Forfeiting honor, for fortune, four basketball players are now formally involved in the forbidding scandal which is raking high school athletics for and after, and forcing attention, etc., etc. Notice all those fours? Oh, yes, but. They... Well, I think that's Jim's code for the message in the story. The letter four for every fourth word. Right, now, wait a minute. Let's try underlining every fourth word in the next paragraph like this. See? Eh? This morning, Jim Olson of the planet and Metropolis High Captain Jack Wilson will appear in the office of troubleshooting Frank Agnew. All right, read those underlined words, Steve. Olson and Jack in trouble. Exactly. Can't be. Well, that, and that, that underlining every that... fourth word following, we get, let's see. We need help. Pony story. Do not print. Great Caesar's cult. You see, Chief, those hate mongers are using Jim and our paper to frame two other innocent American boys, Kaplan and Kelly, whom they call foreigners, and in that way to create race trouble among our youngsters. And that means Jim and Jack Wilson are in even more serious danger than I no, thought. No, 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 wait a minute, Captain. wait a minute. Uh, maybe Snow we're just... Coming... ourselves. Jim and Jack must know who the hate gang is now. And since that gang has committed murder, abduction, assault and battery, sedition, conspiracy, almost every rotten crime in the books, you don't think they're going to turn Jim and young Wilson loose to expose them, do you? No, no, of course not. Well, well, just don't stand there, Kent. Do something, do something. Only I knew where to look. Uh, get the Dave guy on the phone. Uh, get Inspector Henderson. No. Get the FBI. Now, wait a minute, uh, Chief. Wait, wait a, a minute. minute. Do something oh, will right. Let's not lose our heads. Uh, it's Jim's head that I'm worried about. I know, I know. Now, listen. The first thing to do is to rip Jim's story out of the planet before we can do any more. Yes, deaths. yes, of course. But, 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 but Jim. Jim and the Wilson boy. If we only had a single clue oh, to them. We've got two clues the white carnations and the rotten pamphlet the agitators passed out. But you said those clues were blank. So far, yes, but they've got to pay off. Don't give up, Chief. We're not licked yet. See you later. As Clark Kent leaves the Daily Planet to resume the search for Jimmy Olsen and Jack Wilson, the two boys are alone in a locked windowless room in Joe McMillan's apartment, where we find Jimmy peering through the keyhole. What is out
2: there? No one just one out. How about Fargo? That big lug is still here getting some rope out of a closet. Rope? What for? Mellon told him to tie us up and take us down through the basement to the alley door where he'll have the car. Then they're gonna take us up to some mountain lodge. First, what for? Can't you figure it out? We're supposed to show up at the D.A.'s office this morning to present evidence against Phil Kaplan and Mickey Kelly. See? Well, we won't. So what happens then? Well, when we don't show up and just disappear, this dirty hate gang will say Kaplan, Kelly, Pulaski, and Rizzuti and their pals did something to us to keep us from testifying against them. The dirty rats. Yeah. Uh, Then this outfit will pass out more pamphlets that smear kids they call farms. That way they figure to start race riots all over the city. Jeepers, we've got to do something about that, Jim. I don't know what to do. Now, I was hoping Mr. Kent would see that story I phoned into the planet last night. That he'd know the story was a phony. Guess he didn't see it in time. How do you know? Because McMillan was just on the phone to the big shot. You know, the guy with the mask. The one he calls Mr. K. And he was tickled when he heard the story came out in the planet. What are we going to do, Jim? I don't know. I don't want to go up in any mountains with these guys. You know too much, and... Well, I've got a hunch we might never come back. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Gosh, if we could only... Wait, Jack. Maybe this is our chance. What do you mean? Well, Fago is all alone now. When he comes in here to tie us up, let's try to make a break for it. What? We wouldn't have a chance. Like, he's strong as an ox. Would you rather just give up without a fight? No, of course not. Okay, then. Wait. He's got the rope. He's coming to the door. He is. Yeah, now look, Jack. When he opens the door, I'll throw this chair at him, see? But oh, gosh, he throw up his hands to block it. Then we make our break, then. The door out of the apartment is straight across the living room. Okay, but if we fumble, don't if think we're about that. Get set, Jack. Here he comes. <laughs>
1: Chair, Jimmy Olsen braces himself. Jack Wilson gets set beside him as Parvo, the burly henchman of the hate mongers, unlocks the door. What will happen? As we continue now, the Burley Fargo opens the door of the room in which Jimmy Olson and Jack Wilson are imprisoned. Then quickly, Jimmy heaves a chair at the man's head. What the...
2: Okay, Jack, come on. I'm with you, Jim. Oh,
1: you, don't, you little punch? Oh. Oh. He's got me, Jim. Oh, but I've got... Let go a...
2: of him, you rat. Yeah. Run, Jim, you um, get away. No.
4: Come here, Olsen. I'll the chair at me. Yeah. I'll fix you, but good. No. Jim, look uh, out. He's got the chair. Grab his arm, yeah. Jack. Oh,
6: don't, Fargo. Yeah. Oh... oh.
1: That'll show you, you little punk. I'll try to get away.
5: Jim! Jim! Oh, golly. Oh, golly.
1: <laughs> His eyes filling with tears, Jack Wilson kneels beside the limp, motionless figure of Jimmy Olson. What has happened to the boy reporter? Has Jimmy, like Charles Canfield, the millionaire who dared to defy the knights of the white carnation also become a fatal victim of the men of hate. This story of a fight against the forces of hate and intolerance now becomes even more suspenseful. So don't miss tomorrow's startling and exciting episode, fellows and girls. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow. Same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pet, the Sunshine
0: cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman.
1: Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single mouth. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane.
5: It's
4: Superman.
1: Kellogg's Pep. P, 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 Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the Sunshine Cereal, presents The Adventures of Superman. while Clark Kent pursues his one slim clue to Jimmy Olsen and Jack Wilson's whereabouts, the boys are helpless prisoners of Vincent Kirby's murderous henchmen. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Well, this is the big day. I can now give you all the details of that wonderful collection that I've been talking about. There's a special one for the boys and one for the girls. And we're going to start with the girls, you know, ladies first. But stick around, boys, because you come next. Now, for the girls, Kellogg's Pep has a shiny silver-like charm bracelet and 12 different charms to go with it. Now, for the bracelet only, you send one box up from Super Delicious Pimp and ten cents. That's a diamond cash to Superman, Department 1R, Battle Creek, Michigan. That's for the bracelet only. And there are twelve nifty charms, so write down which ones you want. They're nifty small-scale models of a piano, a cuckoo clock, binoculars, a Scotty Dog, a violin, and a telephone, among others. Now, if you didn't get them all down along with your first order, you'll get a printed slip with the names and pictures of all of the twelve charms. And you can check them off as you order them till your collection is complete. Now, here's how you get started on your charm collection. For each of the charms that you want, send one pep box top and one dime, plus the names of the charms you want, to Superman, Department 1R, Battle Creek, Michigan. That's one dime and one pep box top for each of the charms, and one dime and one pep box top for the charm bracelet. Just remember, girls, to print your name and address clearly on your orders, and mail them to Superman, Department 1R, Battle Creek, Michigan. And say, boys, in just a few minutes, it'll be your turn to hear what Kellogg's Pep has for you, so stick around. The Adventures of Superman. As you remember, cub reporter Jimmy Olsen and Jack Wilson, captain of the Metropolis High School basketball team, were captured while trailing Joe McMillan, an agent for the intolerant Knights of the White Carnation, who are conducting a vicious campaign to create race riots in the city schools. While Superman searched for the missing boys, they made a desperate attempt to escape from McMillan's apartment, where they were being held. In the ensuing struggle, Jimmy was struck on the head with a chair wielded by a strong-arm ruffian named Fargo. And the young reporter fell to the floor, unconscious. As we continue now, Jack Wilson leans fearfully over Jim's limp, motionless body. Listen. Jim! Jim! Never mind him, Wilson. Get up. You and me are going places.
2: Jim! He doesn't answer. He. He's dead. I don't think so. Jim's but dead. I guess he had it coming to him.
1: I'll you now. killed him,
2: Fargo. Shut up. You murdered him in cold blood. He never did anything to you, but you killed him. Shut up, I You'll pay for this. I'm going to get the police. Wait I'm a
4: gonna... minute. Let go of me. the going. Let go you,
2: you rotten
4: hate murderer. I'm hey, not going to the police. You
1: bet. I'm going to get I'll, the
4: police. I your little spy. i fix you like a ghost. <laughs> Hey, what's going on? Let, let go of me. Let it out. You are don't cut it out. What for Joe. Watch out. Let me finish. I'll be a sup. I'll
1: let him go. Okay. Jim. Poor Jim. Hey, what happened old this <laughs> Fargo killed him. What's the matter with you, Fargo? Have you got nothing? He tried to get away, Joe. I didn't mean to knock him once. But you did. You're a murderer. You're both shut murderers. Shut up, Wilson. Now listen, I won't
2: shut up. I'll holler. I'll get the police here. I'll get shut all the
6: up. police. Fuck.
4: Cut it, Bobby. Come right in the room and lock the door, Fargo. Okay. come on, Wilson. Come on. Now get in there. And remember, <clears throat> you just once, and that'll be all, brother. Well, you messed this up good, Fargo. Kirby
3: didn't want these kids rubbed
1: out. Well, Olsen asked for it. He was... Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. I think he's alive. He is? Yeah, his heart's beating. But he's in pretty bad shape. You must have given him an awful clout. I guess I did. What do we do with him? Kirby wants us to take both kids up to his lodge in the mountains and keep him there while he spreads the weight around that and kid grabbed him. That's too risky. I mean, now, because if Olson fades out and we're caught with him, it'll be curtains. I know, but we got to do what Kirby says. Now, where's that rope? It's around someplace. But, Liz, stop talking and get that rope. we got to work fast. Hurry. Hello, Clark Kent speaking. Kent, this is Bill Jackson. Of Candy oh, yes, Jackson. What's up?
4: I think I found the flower shop where that guy Joe buys his white carnations. You did? Yeah. The florist recognized the guy when I described him. He doesn't know where he lives, though. Uh-oh. But he thinks his delivery boy might. I'm waiting for the kid to come back from a delivery
1: now. Good. Where is this shop?
4: I'm and Main, making
1: Smite's florist job. I'll be there in two seconds, Jackson. Oh, He's closed. This is a job for Superman. Now, if only I'm not too late to help Jim and Jack Wilson. There. All set. Up with this window. Now, up to that florist shop. Up and away! Hello, Jackson. Yeah. That delivery boy get back in? But, holy Jemima, can How did you get here so soon? Oh, well, never mind that. How, how about the delivery boy? But well, I just talked to you on the phone. Well, You're not... not wasting time. Where's that delivery boy? He's not back yet. Oh, oh but here comes the florist, Mr. Smythe. I want you to hear what he has to say. Okay. Oh, Mr. Smythe, this is Mr. Kent. You know the Daily Planet reporter I told you about. Yes, how do you do, Mr. Kent? How do you do, Mr. Smythe? Uh, Jackson here tells me you've been selling
3: white carnations to a man we're very eager to find. Well, a certain man has been buying quite a few white carnations for me lately. He never buys any other kind of flower. But I don't know... I wonder if you'd describe him for me. Well, he's a tall, thin man, about... 30, I'd say. Uh huh. A sallow complexion and rather strange eyes. Small and uh, glittery. That's, That's
1: our right. man, Kent. Yes, it certainly sounds as if it might be. Do you know his name, Mr.
3: Smith? No, I don't, although I seem to recall that another man who came in with him once or sort of twice called him Joe. He Joe? He is our
1: man. Look, uh, Mr. Smythe, I understand your delivery boy knows where he lives.
3: I think he may know because about a week ago, this man came in to purchase some white carnations. Uh-huh. And he asked me if my delivery boy, Robert, could run a small errand for him. I see. He's quite a good customer, and since Robert wasn't busy at the moment, I said all, oh, oh, here's Robert now. Okay. Uh, come here, please, Robert.
2: Yes, Mr. Smythe.
1: Uh, look, Robert, Mr. Smythe tells us that a few days ago you took a package to the post office for one of Mr. Smythe's customers.
3: I did? Yes, a tall, thin man with a pasty face and small, glittering eyes. He comes in here frequently to buy white carnations, remember? Oh, him, yeah, yeah, I remember. Well, listen, do you... you
1: recall where he lives?
5: Sure,
3: about
2: three blocks up 2nd Street. He's got an apartment over Baron's Barron's Pool Hall.
1: Now you're talking... Which apartment, Robert?
2: Well, there's only one, Mr. Kent.
1: Good boy, Robert, thanks a lot. Let's go, Jackson. Kent, I'll ring Never mind, look out, Jackson What are you going to do? Break this door open Oh, uh, no, wait, look out, Kent you can't... Holy Jemima, you did it Yes, but just as I thought nobody's here, we were too late, Jackson They've left with the boy. Now, take it easy We don't know for sure that Jim and the Wilson boy were here Oh, yes, they were Look What? This hat, it's Jim's Are you sure? Yes, see his initials, J-O, are on the inside van Yep, you're right, Kent, I know I am But heaven only knows where they are now or what's happened to them I'm stuck, Jackson. Now I'm really worried. Holding Jim Olson's hat in his hand, Clark Kent realizes that the only clue he had to his young friends has paid off. But too late. What will he do now? As Clark Kent is momentarily stymied in Joe McMillan's apartment, the thin, pasty-faced agent for the Knights of the White Carnation is driving a station wagon along a country highway leading into the Blue Hills. Beside him sits Fargo. Behind, under a canvas tarpaulin, lie the unconscious Jimmy Olsen and Jack Wilson, who was bound and gagged. I think maybe you're right, Fargo. We're sitting on a keg of Sure we are, Joe. If this Olsen kid dies and we're caught with him, we'll give the chair. I don't like this setup, not at all. And why don't you listen to me, Joe? Let's finish the kids and dump them someplace. Then we can make it clean get Oh, yeah, what about Vincent Kirby? He's a dangerous baby to cross, and you'll know it. So what? Will he help us out if we get caught with his kids? No, oh, no, not him. I'm afraid he'd say he never saw it. Well, sure he would. He don't care about us except to do a sturdy wig for him. He's always awful careful to keep his old nose clean when it's a job to do. Yeah. Nobody can prove he told me to knock that millionaire I Can't Canfield out of frame those basketball players or anything else. You see, that's what I mean. We got to think of our own skins. Yeah. I think you're right, Spargo. Look, I can tell you what. Yeah, what? Maybe he's going to check with me at the lodge in the hour, either in person or by phone, see? Yeah. Well, right after that, today, we'll finish our Snidder Wilson kid, like you suggest. And then we'll scream. Now you're talking, Joe. Now you're talking. Sealing the fate of Jimmy Olsen and Jack Wilson. The murderous agents for the hate mongering Knights of the White Carnation head into the hills. Meanwhile, having fruitlessly searched Joe McMillan's apartment, Mark Kent, accompanied by Private Detective Jackson, has suddenly stopped short at the doorway of the small, windowless room in which Jimmy and Jack had been held prisoner. Wait, Jackson, stay where you are. What's the matter, Kent? Look over there on the floor. I don't see anything. In the corner, don't you see those flower petals? Well, what about them? They're the petals of white carnations, and I think they've been arranged to give us some kind of a message. A message? Yes. Don't you notice how they seem to follow a definite pattern? Uh, yes, but I don't know, Kent. Jim you? or Jack must have left this as a message for us. Probably a clue to where they're being taken. It uh, could be. Let's see. If Wait a they... minute! Don't move, Jackson. And don't talk. Just think. We can figure this out. I think we'll have the answer to where the boys are. His face drawn in concentrated thought. Clark Kent, who is Superman, crouches above the small pile of faded carnation petals. Searching for the message, he is sure the boys left there for him. Is Kent right? Did Jack Wilson a few minutes alone in the room before he was taken away conceive of a means of getting a message to Kent? And if so, will Kent be able to interpret it in time to locate his young friends before they fall victims to the frightened agents for the men of hate? This is a tense and exciting moment in our story, gang. So whatever you do, don't miss Monday's exciting episode. Yes, be sure to tune in again on Monday. Same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's path For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pass, the Sunshine Cereal.
0: you're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman.
4: Faster than a speeding bullet.
1: More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leak tall buildings in a single bound. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Kellogg's Pep. B-E-P Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal presents... The Adventures of Superman. Today, as Superman streaks to the rescue of Jim Olsen and Jack Wilson... The hate-mongering knights of the white carnation meet again to plan further vicious deeds against democracy. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, I'll bet you're all excited about the swell new collections Kellogg's Pep has for you boys and girls. And you know, I can't blame you. The one for the girls is nifty. I'll tell you all about that one in just a minute. Now, for you fellows, you know, it's a super-duper keychain. A big silver-like He-Man chain that you'll be proud to wear. And there are 12 lucky pieces you can attach to the chain. Now, here's how to get started on this humdinger of a collection. You got a pencil and paper handy? You don't want to miss any of this. For the keychain only, you send one box off from Super Delicious Pet and 15 cents, you know, that's a dime and a nickel, to Superman Department 1R, Battle Creek, Michigan. That's just for the keychain. And, of course, you'll want to start collecting the lucky pieces. There are 12 in all. Nifty, small-scale models of a locomotive and a a football and binoculars, a skull and crossbones, a trolley car, and a Scotty Dog, among others. Send for just as many as you like to start with. And in the package with your first order, you'll find a printed slip with the names and the pictures of all the lucky pieces on it. So you can keep ordering until your collection is complete. Now, for each lucky piece, send one pep box stop and one dime plus the names of the lucky pieces you want to Superman, Department 1R, Battle Creek, Michigan. That's one dime and one pep box stop for each of the lucky pieces, and for the keychain, send 15 cents. That's a dime and a nickel and one pep box stop. But please remember to print your name and addresses clearly on your order. And be sure that you get the address right. Mail all orders to Superman, Department 1R, Battle Creek, Michigan. Now, stick around, girls, because I'm going to tell you all about your collection in just a few minutes. And now, the adventures of Superman. When Cub reporter Jimmy Olsen and Jack Wilson, captain of the Metropolis High School basketball team, tried to escape from the apartment of Joe McMillan, agent for the viciously intolerant Knights of the White Carnation, Jimmy was slugged and lost consciousness. By order of Vincent Kirby, wealthy and aristocratic leader of the hate terrorists, McMillan took the boys to a secluded mountain lodge. But on the way up there, he and Fargo, his strong arm companion, decided that their own safety depended on doing away with the two youngsters. Meanwhile, hunting desperately for his young friends, Clark Kent, accompanied by Bill Jackson, a private detective, followed their trail to Macmillan's empty apartment. And as we join him there now, Kent and Jackson are puzzling over an odd pattern of white carnation petals on the floor of the room in which Jimmy and Jack had been imprisoned. Listen. These carnation petals couldn't have just fallen this way, Jackson. They're arranged in a definite pattern. See? An indented line moving upwards. Mm. Now that you mention it, Kent, it does look as if somebody laid them out that way. Mm-hmm. But who and why? I think either Jim or Jack Wilson did it to tell us where they are. Now, if we can just figure it Let's out. Let's see. Hmm. I can't make anything out of it. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Jackson. I think I've got it. Now, yeah, what's your guess? Look, notice how the line keeps going up, and then dipping, then going up again? Uh-huh. Well, that could indicate a series of hills. Hills? Yes, or even mountains. Some of these peaks are pretty tall. Boys might have tried to tell us that the hate mongers took them into the hills somewhere or up in the mountains. Say, maybe you're right, Kent. Oh, but where does that get us? There are a lot of hills around Metropolis, you know. Yes, but it won't take me long to search them. Now, listen, us It won't take I... you long, huh? What do you think you are? Oh, uh, well, well, Skip, we have no time to waste. You contact the district attorney and the state police. Tell them what we know and to move fast. I'll see you later. Oh, but wait, Kent, where are you going? You'd be surprised, brother. Get busy now. I think we're headed for the payoff. <laughs> McMillan's apartment, Clark Kent stops in a deserted alleyway and quickly resumes his true identity of Superman. Then, up and away! (laughs) Leaping high above the great city, the Man of Steel streaks away through the late afternoon skies to begin his search among the small hills across the Metropolis River. For an hour he searches there, ranging and darting above the wooded crests like some giant hawk. And then, failing to find any sign of his quarry, he veers and rockets away through the gathering twilight to the range of mountains 50 miles away, known as the Blue Hills. Meanwhile, in the huge beam-ceilinged living room of Vincent Kirby's magnificent lodge, situated on a flat shelf of rock beneath a towering peak in the Blue Hills... Joe McMillan, the sallow, glittering eyed agitator and killer for the Knights of the White Carnation, completes a phone call, he turns to face Fargo, his beefy, heavy-shouldered companion. Yeah, Fargo. Maybe wants us to play nursemaid to Olsen and Jack Wilson up here while he spreads the word that foreigner kids grab. That's how he figures to stir up race riots in the school. Yeah, him and his race riots. What about us? Supposing the Olsen kid kicks off and we're caught up here with him. Then what? Don't worry. We're not going to get caught up here or any place else with those kids. Now you're talking, Joe. What are we going to do? We're going to play safe. That's what. Only Kirby and the two kids know we snatched them. Kirby won't dare open this base, and we'll make sure Olsen and Wilson can't. You mean we get rid of the kids like I wanted to all along? No, but we do, Fargo. We'll take them out in the woods right now and make sure they stay there. Then we'll put a lot of distance between us and Vincent and Kirby. Fine, get that Wilson kid, and let's go to work. <laughs> This old kid is getting heavy, Joe. How much further are we going? Just a little way, Parker, to a spot I know where the woods are thicker. I don't want anybody to find these kids for a long while.
3: What do you mean? What are you going to do to us?
1: You'll find out soon enough, Wilson.
4: Holy Joe. Yeah. Stay in the path, sonny boy, or I'll tie up your legs too and
1: drag him. Okay, okay.
2: Listen, you oughtn't to be carrying Jim like this. He's unconscious. He needs a doctor.
1: He won't need a doctor where he's going. What do you mean? Is where you find out. This is far enough, Fargo. Okay.
2: Now, look, we'll you better...
1: Shut up. Trap Olsen, Fargo. That'll be a pleasure.
2: Be careful, you stupid lug. Jim's hurt. Ain't
1: that too bad. Okay, let's get it over with. You put a slug on Olson. I'll take care of Wilson. Right. No, don't. Oh, wait, put those guns down. Right, sir, Fargo. One... Two? Hey, what the? Well, looks as if I got here just in time. I'll take those guns. God, I'll oh, boy, cow of Superman! Let him have a choke. I'll fix his clock. Oh, you want to play like that, eh? Okay, sweet dreams to you.
2: Oh! And to you. Oh! Boy, what a haymaker. Listen, Superman. Yes? Did you find those carnation petals I left in Joseph's apartment?
4: That's right, Jack. What happened to Jim here?
2: Oh, Fargo hit him on the head with a chair. What? Poor guy's been unconscious most of the time since. Uh-oh, we've got to get him to a doctor in a hurry.
4: Up with him.
1: There. I'll get under my arm, Jack. Okay. All set? Sure. Okay, here we go.
4: Up and away!
1: Sure, Jim will be all right, Doctor? Yes, I'm quite sure he will, Mr. Kent. Oh, that's fine. Of course, he'll have to remain in the hospital for a little while. Oh, but sure. A week or two, we should be as good as new. Oh, is that a relief? Oh, uh, by the way, Mr. Kent, a nurse tells me that Mr. Agnew, the district attorney, is waiting for you downstairs. Oh, this is very important. Yes, I know. I'll join him at once. Uh, doctor, please give my regards to Jim, will you? And tell him I'll be in to see him as soon as he can receive visitors. Yes, I'll be glad to do that, Mr. Kent. Thanks, Lords, Doctor. <laughs> Bye. Bye. I think I know what you're going to tell me, Mr. Wagner. You can't possibly know, Kent, because nobody knows us except Superman and myself. Really? Superman, eh? That's right. But since you've been so valuable to police on this case, I'm going to give you a break and let you be in on the killing. Well, well thanks. Okay, now get this. The two fellows, Superman Court, Joe McMillan and Fargo, Talk to me and Superman... And they told us that Vincent Kirby, a member of one of the oldest and most aristocratic families in Metropolis, is the leader of the hate mongers who call themselves the Knights of the White Carnation. What? The... Now, wait And a that minute. Kirby ordered the murder of Charles Canfield, the millionaire, because Canfield was going to expose them. But... Furthermore, Kirby framed the high school basketball players on false gambling charges and arranged the abduction of Jim Olson and Jack Wilson in order to stir up race hatred and riots among the youngsters of the city. Is that the story? Yes, but how in thunder did you know, Ken? <laughs> ah... That would be telling. I uh, gather that we move in on Kirby now, huh? You said it. Gee, I can hardly wait. Okay, then, let's go. What will happen when Clark Kent and the district attorney confront Vincent Kirby? Accompanied by a dozen plainclothes detectives, district attorney Frank Agnew has driven Clark Kent to the home of Vincent Kirby. There, as the detectives post themselves in the darkness outside Kirby's imposing stone mansion, Agnew rings the bell. When the butler opens the door, he is seized and taken away before an outcry can be raised. Then the D.A. leads Kent quietly across the lofty flagstone foyer to a closed, oaken door, in front of which he stops. Very
3: quiet, Kent. meeting of the Knights of the White Carnation is going on now, here in Kirby's library. Oh, I see. Wait. I'll open the door a crack so we can see without being seen.
1: Slowly and carefully, he turns the doorknob, and the heavy door moves inward an inch or two on silent hinges. Great Scott There's Burton Wood Uh, And Martin Hart And Phineas Cameron and George Adams All important men Each one as big as
3: Vincent Kirby Right wait Kirby's standing up He's going to talk
4: Knights of the White Carnation The moment we've been waiting for is now at hand As you know The entire city of Metropolis is stirred up Over the disappearance of Jim Olson and young Jack Wilson Tomorrow, my newspaper, the Daily Blade, will say that evidence points to Olsen and Wilson having been abducted by the foreign-named basketball players at Metropolis High School in order to prevent the two boys from testifying against the players mentioned in regards to bribery. Oh,
3: Hear that, Kent? Yes. Yeah, so are these babies going to be surprised? And how?
4: Huh. which have already been prepared will be distributed outside every school in the city, reprinting our story and urging the students to act now against all
1: boys and girls with foreign-sounding names like Rizzuti and Pulaski and, and dirty Race.. Right. I can promise you, gentlemen, that by this time tomorrow, foreign blood will run in the streets. And no youngster of modern ancestry will be safe outside his home. I've heard enough, Kent. Let's go in. I'm with you. Don't move, Mr. District Attorney. What, what in the... Or you either, Mr. Kent. get. Mo- can...
4: I have a gun pointed at each of your backs. Just make one move
1: and these guns go off. <laughs> Stephanie, Clark Kent and District Attorney Agnew peel the guns at their backs. Realize they have been trapped in the headquarters of the men of hate. Clark Kent, as we know, is Superman. But how can he act to save the district attorney's life without revealing his identity as Superman to the world? Don't miss tomorrow's scratching episode, fellows and girls, when Superman pulls a new and startling stunt. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's path. For excitement, the adventures of Superman.
0: I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater.
1: Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leak tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! head Pet. pep! P.E.P. Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the Sunshine Cereal, presents The Adventures of Superman. (laughs) Today, as Superman corrals the Knights of the White Carnation, Metropolis' murderous bigots, another dangerous adventure of international significance looms on his horizon. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, have you started your new collection yet? Well, if you haven't, you better get busy. This new collection Kellogg's Pep has for you is a honey. A special He-Man one for the boys, but more of that later, because first, I want to tell you girls what a wonderful surprise is in store for you. It's a shiny silver-like charm bracelet and 12 different charms to go with it. This bracelet is a peach. And here's how you get it. Now, you better get a pencil and paper because you don't want to miss any of this. For the bracelet only, you send one box up from Super Delicious Pep and Ten Cents, that's a dime in cash, to Superman, Department 1R, Battle Creek, Michigan. That's for the bracelet only. But, of course, you'll want some charms to start with. And there were 12 shiny, small-scale models of a trolley car, a piano, a cuckoo clock, a locomotive, a violin, and a telephone, among others. Now, this is a get acquainted offer, you know, and with your first order, you'll get a printed slip with the names and the pictures of all the 12 charms. And you can check them off as you order them until your collection is complete. Now, here's how to get started on your charm collection. For each of the charms, send one box top from Pep, the sunshine cereal, and one dime, plus the names of the charms you want, to Superman, Department 1R, Battle Creek, Michigan. That's one dime and one pet boxed up for each of the charms, and one dime and one pet boxed up for the charm bracelet. But just be sure to get that address right. It's Superman, Department 1R, Battle Creek, Michigan. And remember to print your own name and address clearly on your orders. Now, in just a few minutes, I'll give you boys the dope on your collection, so stick around. And now, the adventures of Superman. After Superman had rescued cover reporter Jimmy Olsen and Jack Wilson from the murderous agents of the Knights of the White Carnation, he resumed his guise of Clark Kent and accompanied District Attorney Agnew to the home of Vincent Kirby, the wealthy and aristocratic leader of the hate-spreaders. A meeting of the rebel-rousers was taking place in Kirby's library, but just as Kent and Agnew were about to enter the room, a henchman of Kirby's slipped up behind them and jabbed two guns at their backs. Unable to extricate himself and Agnew from their dangerous predicament without revealing his identity as Superman, Kent stands still his mind racing desperately as Vincent Kirby approaches them from the library. Listen.
5: Well, well, if it isn't
4: my old friend the district attorney... Tell your stooge to put his guns down, Kirby. I think not, Agnew. Who is this other fool, with you? My name is Clark Kent, Mr. Kirby. Clark Kent, eh? Yes. Well, I've been wanting to meet you for a long time. You know, you've been making rather a nuisance of yourself, Mr. Kent. Really? Well, listen, Mr.
1: Kirby... Hold it, Kent. You listen to me, Kirby. We know all about you and your rotten knights of the White Carnation. Really? Yes. We know you had Charles Canfield murdered because he was going to expose you. And we know that you framed those high school basketball players on gambling charges in order to spread race hatred in our schools.
4: You seem to know a great deal, Agnew.
1: Too much, in fact. Uh, now oh. tell your gorilla to put his guns down, because for your information, my men have your house surrounded.
4: So I understand. I suggest that you tell him you made a mistake and send him away. That's that chance.
1: What do you take me for, a fool? Look
4: here, Agnew. You think you're going to take me, Vincent Kirby, to jail like a common criminal? I'll send your men away, I tell
1: you, and then... Then you'll take care of us, is that it? Yes, of you and
4: of all who dare to stand in my way.
1: Holy smokes, this guy is crazy, Kent. Of course he is. Better do as he says, Mr. Agnew. What? Send your men away and leave this to me. Agnew, this is your last chance. Will you send them away? No, please, Mr. Agnew. All right, Craig, shoot them. Not today, Kirby. As Vincent Kirby shouts his hysterical order to shoot, Clark Kent raises his foot and crashes it down with all his superhuman strength opening a great gaping hole in the floor into which he, District Attorney Agnew, Kirby, and the gunman fall. Down into the dark basement, they plunge wildly as Kent, working with the speed of light, resumes his true identity of Superman. Reaching the floor first, he breaks Agnew's fall. What? The, what happened? Kent, where are you? That's okay, Mr. Agnew, and everything's under control. I'm taking over now. What happened? Why,
4: who are you? I can't see you.
1: Superman. Superman! Superman, let me out of here! I'll call Mr. Kirby off for you like
4: this. No! Oh.
1: That'll hold him until you get him to headquarters. safe right, there was another one, the gunman. The fall knocked him out. All right, let's go up for those other white carnation rats, and your men can take over from there. Up we go. Up.
5: This is your Daily Planet news reporter bringing you the latest news of the day. Vincent Kirby, prominent businessman, and
4: six other well-known metropolis citizens were captured today by District Attorney Agnew in a raid on Kirby's home. Kirby and his cohorts, now lodged in the city jail, are accused by the District Attorney of murder, abduction, and conspiracy to spread race
5: hatred and violence in the city schools and are scheduled for trial early next week.
4: Benson Kirby, stand up. You've heard the verdict of the jury finding you guilty on the three counts of murder, abduction, and conspiracy to incite riots. Have you anything to say? It's not true! I was only trying to purify America, to make it free of foreigners! In doing what you did, Kirby, you committed crimes not only against humanity, but also against American democracy. Only the bigot and the demagogue, the creature whose own mind and heart is twisted and poisoned... Stoops to such practices in order to corrupt his countrymen. He's like a vicious rat. But I didn't attack my countrymen, Your Honor. My attack was against foreigners. A foreigner? A foreigner, Mr. Kirby. He a citizen of another country. High school basketball players you framed on false bribery charges are not citizens of another country. Well I... uh, I I made a mistake. You, Kirby... Made the fatal mistake of giving way to blind, unreasonable hatred. You fed your desire for power by discriminating against minorities, and you used your money and influence to corrupt, to murder, to become a traitor to your country. Vincent Kirby, justice will be well served when I, with the power vested in me by this state, sentence you and your accomplices to die in the elected chair for the crime of murder. <laughs>
6: Chief. Vincent Kirby and his two agents, Joe McMillan and Fargo, got death
1: sentences. And well, they deserved it, too.
6: And the other members of the White Carnation got 20 years each.
1: Good, good. What about the other character, Lois, the chairman of the school board?
6: Mr. Mortimer? He's out
1: of a job, Chief, for playing into Kirby's filthy hands. Well, now don't forget that when you're writing the story.
6: Oh, I didn't forget it, Chief. It's already in my story.
1: And that gambler, the one Kirby paid to testify he bribed the high school basketball players? Got five years. Fine. Well, that washes the whole thing up. Now, Will you both please forget the Kirby story for a moment and listen to me? Something very important has just come up. Really? What is it, Chief? Well, here it is. Now, you two remember Hobie Taylor, don't you?
6: Hobie Taylor?
1: Oh, yes, yes. He was one of our foreign correspondents.
6: Oh, that's right. Say, didn't he die a year or two ago?
1: He didn't just die, Lois. What? What do you mean, he didn't just die? I mean, he was murdered. Murdered? Yes, he was murdered in Sweden just before the war ended by Nazi Gestapo men. Good heavens. Why, Chief? He was killed to prevent him from releasing a story he'd been following for months. A story he assured me would affect the future of the whole world after the war ended. No kidding. Great Scott, why have you kept this secret? Because I didn't want to take a chance of endangering Bucky. Who's he? Who's that? Well, Bucky is Hobie's young son. A fine little fellow who I met a couple of times in Europe. You see, Mrs. Taylor had died many years ago, so Hobie took the boy with him wherever he went.
6: And now he has no father or mother.
1: Poor kid. How old is he, Chief? Mm, Let's see. He'd be um, about 13 now, I think. I see. But look, Chief, what was this story Hobie had? Well, frankly, even I don't know what the story was, because Hobie was shot just as he was about to give it to me over the transatlantic telephone. Uh Uh-oh. Good grief. But from something he said before, I'm quite sure that his son, Bucky, knows at least something about
6: it. Well, but, Chief... Why didn't you send for the boy right away? I mean, as soon as Hobie was...
1: Well, for the simple reason that Bucky disappeared immediately after his father's death. I see. And it wasn't until a couple of months ago that I was able to trace him through the displaced persons bureau who found that he'd been taken to a German concentration camp. A
6: 13-year-old youngster. That's young... right. Well,
1: he wasn't the only youngster in a German concentration camp, Lois, but come on, Chief, what then? Well, the boy had managed to escape from the camp and wandered over half of Europe, dodging the Nazis. Sounds like a game, kid. Yes. Well, I made arrangements to have him sent over here immediately, of course, and he's arriving today on the Nautilus. Today? Yes, within an hour. Now, naturally, I'm very happy about that, and I'm going to do all I can to provide a good home for him. Sure. Well, and I'm are. also hoping that he can give us more of the big story that his father died for. huh So you two get right down to the pier. Pick up Bucky and then bring him here. Okay. I'll run out and buy some things for him and have a big welcome ready. Right. Go on now, go on. Get started. Practically all
6: the passengers have already left the ship, Clark. But where's Bucky Taylor?
1: And can't imagine, Lois. have to clear through this customs gate. Couldn't have missed Oh, of course we couldn't.
6: Look, the crew is leaving the ship now. That means all the passengers are off. What do you suppose is wrong?
1: I don't know. Look, here comes the ship's officer. Let's ask him.
6: Hi, Clark.
1: Uh, pardon me. Yes, sir? We're looking for one of the passengers, a young boy named Bucky Taylor. We were wondering if you could Bucky help us... Bucky did you say so? Yes, yes, that's right. We
6: know he was on the ship, and we couldn't have missed him. We were here when the Nautilus stopped. Your friends of his, are you? Oh, Certainly yes. are. very good. Then friend. I'd advise you
1: to speak to Captain Barker. Captain Barker? Why, what's wrong? Well, it's quite a bit wrong, sir, but i am not at liberty to discuss it. You'll have to see the captain. Puzzled and alarmed, Clark Kent and Lois Lane start up the gangplank of the Nautilus to interview the captain. What is wrong? When young Bucky Taylor failed to disembark from the liner Nautilus, Clark Kent and Lois Lane were advised by a ship's officer to see Captain Barker. We join them now in the captain's quarters.
6: Why were we told to come to your quarters, Captain Barker? Why is everyone so mysterious? What's happened to Bucky Taylor? Uh, take it
1: easy, Lois. Apparently something serious has occurred. You're oh, quite right, Mr. Kent. Something most serious has occurred since this boy, young Taylor, came aboard my ship at Plymouth. Yes, well...
6: Where is he now?
1: I don't know, Miss Lane. What? You don't know? No, Mr. Kent. You see, Bucky Taylor has disappeared. Shocked, utterly speechless for a moment. Clark Kent and Lois Lane stare at the grave-faced captain who has just said that Bucky Taylor has disappeared from the giant ocean liner. How could the boy have disappeared? What has happened to the youngster who is supposedly in possession of a story of world-shaking importance? A story for which his father was murdered. We'll learn more tomorrow when Superman goes into action on one of the most exciting and mysterious adventures of his career. Be sure to tune in tomorrow. Same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Catholic's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Uh...
3: Oh, my process.
0: Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, aha! Uh-huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah! with exclusive loot on surprises not open to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. Uh-huh. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box! Woohoo! To the Loot with kids huh? starting as large as a per month, Those are box just about for all collectors To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x n i forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, dig it?
1: P-E-P-Pep. Kellogg's Pep, Pep, the sunshine cereal presents... The Adventures of Superman. Today Clark Kent and Lois Lane encounter more mystery, which indicates that young Funky Taylor may have been the victim of dark international intrigue. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, how's that new collection coming along? It's an exciting one, believe you me, so don't any of you boys and girls miss up on this wonderful fun. Now, now I'm going to tell you girls first how to get started on yours, but you fellas stick around. And In a few minutes, I'll get to you. Now, for you girls, Kellogg's Pet has a shiny silver-like charm bracelet, a keen-looking bracelet, and 12 nifty charms to go with it. Isn't that swell? And Now, here's how you get it. You got a pencil and paper handy? For the bracelet only, you send one box top from Super Delicious Pet and 10 cents, that's a dime in cash, to Superman Department 1R Battle Creek, Michigan. That's just for the bracelet, but of course you'll want those bright, shiny charms to go with it. And there are 12 to choose from. A nifty, small-scale model of a trolley car and a piano, a cuckoo clock, a locomotive, a violin, and a telephone, among others. And in the package with your first order, well, you'll find a printed slip with names and pictures of all the 12 charms. Bet you when you see them, you'll want to keep ordering until your collection is complete. Now, here's how to get started on your charm collection. For each of the charms, send one pep box stop and one dime, plus the names of the charms you want to Superman, Department 1R, Battle Creek, Michigan. That's one dime and one pep box stop for each of the charms, and one dime and one pep box stop for the charm bracelet. Just remember, print your name and address clearly on all your orders and mail them to Superman, Department 1R, Battle Creek, Michigan. And, fellas, in just a few minutes, I'm going to give you the dope on what Kellogg's Pep has for you. And now, the adventures of Superman. Deep mystery tinged with international intrigue. Proud the disappearance of a young war orphan named Bucky Taylor. Son of a Daily Planet correspondent who was murdered by Nazi spies just before the war's end, Bucky became the charge of Editor Perry White. And after arranging for the boy's passage back to America, I revealed the secret clouding his correspondent's death when he told Clark Kent and Lois Lane... Hobie Taylor, Bucky's father, had just finished gathering the facts for a story of world-shaking importance when he was murdered. But Hobie was too smart to be stopped that way. And my hunch is that his boy, Bucky, is in possession of a clue that'll lead us to Hobie's story ship was due to arrive, White sent Kent and Lois to meet the boy. But when they arrived at the dock, Bucky was not among the disembarking passengers. Alarmed, they went directly to the captain's cabin aboard the liner, where we find them now, talking to the skipper, who, in reply to Kent's query, solemnly says, I'm sorry to report, Mr. Kent, that young Bucky Taylor is not aboard this vessel. How is that possible, Captain Barker? His name is on the passenger yes. list. I know, but... Don't tell us
6: he got off the ship before you came through customs. Oh, no,
1: no, no. What did happen, Captain? Well, <clears throat> prepare for a shock.
6: For heaven's sake, what is
1: it? Easy, Lois. Go on, Captain. Well, I, uh, I don't quite know how to say this, but... Bucky died at sea. Oh, no, no, no. Nothing like that, Miss Lee. Well, then, where in heaven's name is he? What's happened to him? That's it, Mr. Kent. I don't know. What? You don't know. Exactly. I don't know where he is. Nor do I know what's happened to the lad.
6: But that's impossible.
1: Nevertheless, it's the truth. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's get this thing straightened out. Was Bucky Taylor booked on this ship, Captain Barker? Yes, he was. Then
6: where is he now?
1: Please, Lois, let me get these questions answered, and maybe we'll know what's going on.
6: Okay, Clark, but the answers had better be pretty good, or the chief will make an international incident out of this.
1: My dear friends, I assure you there's no <laughs> Forget that, for... Captain Barker. Let's get back to the mystery of Bucky Taylor's disappearance. You say he was booked for passage on this ship. Now, did he or did he not board this vessel before you sailed from Plymouth? Yes, he did. Good grief. Bucky did board your ship, and yet he's not aboard. All right, when did he disembark? I don't know. Oh, now this is too much. Oh, please. Now tell me this, Captain Barker. When did you first discover he wasn't aboard? Our first night out. First night? Yes. You see, I was advised of the boy's identity, and of the fact that he was the charge of your editor, Mr. Perry White. So I arranged for the boy to be seated at my table. I see. Naturally, I thought nothing of it when he failed to appear for lunch. The excitement of sailing might have been too much for him. When he wasn't present at dinner, we came alarmed and sent a steward to look after him. And then you learned he was missing? Yes. That is, I learned he wasn't in his cabin. I ordered an immediate and thorough search of the ship. Every nook and corner of this vessel was gone into by all hands. But no trace of the lad could be found anywhere. Good
6: heavens! Is it possible that he could have... Could could have... Gone overboard?
1: No, 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 no. That's quite impossible without his being spotted by one or more of the deckhands on watch. Well, then, as I see it, there's only one explanation left. What's that talk? That, uh, somehow, for some unknown reason, Bucky left the ship before it sailed from Plymouth. That, Mr. Kent, is quite possible, and I might add the only reasonable answer.
6: But why? Why would he board the ship to sail for home, uh, for America, and then suddenly leave the ship before it sails?
1: Well, that I don't know. Nor do I.
6: It just doesn't make any
1: sense. Unless... unless he was forced to do that. Forced? But by whom? And for what reason? You remember what the chief told us, Lois, about Bucky's father? Oh, you mean that... I don't know, Lois, I'm just guessing, so skip it at least right now. Uh, uh, tell me, Captain, uh, did you advise your home office of the boy's disappearance? Indeed I did. I radioed the London office at once. They instituted an immediate investigation at Plymouth, our port of embarkation. And? Nothing. They could find absolutely no trace of the boy.
6: Oh, Clark, now this gets worse all the time. Yes, and it looks more
1: and more like what I hope it isn't. I don't quite follow you, Mr. Kent. Oh, forget it, please. Uh, I suppose there's nothing more we can do right now except report this to the chief. Your editor, Perry White?
6: Yes, poor guy. How he's been building himself up to seeing that kid. Mm. Yes,
1: I understand. By the way, I suppose you'll want to take the boys' luggage with you. Oh, yes, yes, of course. There isn't much of it. Just one police and an old typewriter. Oh, his father's, I guess. Yes, it must be. battered old portable. Mm-hmm. I'll ever you would get it out of the boys' cabin. Oh, wait a minute. It's still in the cabin assigned to Bucky? Why, yes. I had the door locked as soon as we learned of his disappearance. Oh, well, uh, if you don't mind, Captain, I'd like to have a look in there.
6: What, four o'clock?
1: Oh, I don't know, just curious. How about it, Captain? Would that be too much trouble? No trouble at all. I have the key here in my desk. I'll be glad to take you there. Fine, let's go. <laughs>
4: As I said, this door's
1: been locked since the boy disappeared. Oh. Well, the captain will probably not appear very fresh. Worse than that, I'm afraid. I beg your pardon.
6: What do you mean, Carl?
1: Oh, uh, you'll see, Lois. Go on, Captain. Open the door. Very well. Why, Joe. You see? Someone's been in here. That is an understatement.
6: Why, it looked like a tornado was swept through. Oh,
1: yeah. I can't understand this. Pretty clear to me. Someone's gone through this cabin and everything in it with a fine tooth comb. And
6: didn't miss a trick either. Look, pillows torn apart, the mattresses ripped open, the bureau drawers are all pulled and look
1: out. Look at that suitcase. Every inch of lining has been pulled out of the inside of it. But, but who? Why? Obviously, somebody was looking for something he expected to find in Bucky's luggage. And
6: ripped everything but the paper off the wall.
1: Hey, everything but the typewriter. Look, it's open. Well, what, what, what do you suppose? Whomever it was, will we'll try and find.
6: Clark, do you think it could have been the same? Uh, maybe
1: yes, then again maybe no. Captain, Captain Barker, I uh, I think you should report this to the police at once. You're no, quite right, Mister. And Captain. while you're doing that, Miss Lane and I will collect Young Taylor's effects and pack them as best we can for transportation to Mister White. Very good. I'll join you in a moment. Thank you, Captain. Lois, close the door. Please do as I say. Close the door.
6: There. Now, why all the hush-hush?
1: Have you forgotten the importance of the story Bucky's father was working on when he was murdered by Nazi spies? Good heavens. Do you think that... Yes. They... But they didn't get what they were looking for. How do you know? Because Hobie, who probably anticipated something like this, hid it too well. Look. See that thin outline on a square on the rubber roller of this typewriter? Yes. Now, watch what happens when I pry it up with my penknife. Like this. There, you see? Well,
6: I'll be darned. What? But... There's a folded piece of paper under it.
1: Right. Unless I miss my guess, Lois, that piece of paper is a clue that will lead us to Hobie's story. And, I hope, to whomever is holding young Bucky. What is the message written on the piece of paper that was so cleverly concealed in the typewriter roller? Is it what Clark can't expect it to be? As we continue now, Clark Kent has removed the slip of paper from its hiding place in the typewriter. It is unfolding it as Lois Lane, her eyes wide with wonder, blurts out.
6: Clark Kent, how in the world did you know that that paper was stuck where you found
1: it? Uh, why, I... Jimmy, no uh, one could
6: see it without, without... without X-ray vision. Oh, now, look, Lois... Now, that, that reminds me. You indicated that you knew the condition of this cabin before Captain Barker even opened that door. I, I did? Yes, you did?
1: Well, I, I was just guessing... I guess.
6: Uh, I don't know about that, Clark. It seems to me. Oh, now that look here, been... Lois.
1: That's not important right now. Are you are you not interested in the contents of this piece of paper?
6: Well, yes. Uh, of course all I right am. All right, then let's open but... it
1: and see what it says.
6: Well, all right. But well, I'll come back to this some other time. Hmm. Well, what does it say?
1: Nothing much. Just a name and an address. Name and address? Uh huh. Philippe, 25 Rue Frontenac.
6: Rule Frontenac? Yes. Why, it sounds as if it must be Paris.
1: Sure, any other city in France. Or in
6: Quebec, Canada, for that
1: matter, or Belgium. Well, Canada's ruled out. It must be in Europe because that's where Hobie was working. Well, my guess
6: is this place is somewhere in France. Even at that, it isn't much of a clue. France mm. is a big country, you know. Lots of territory to cover.
1: I can cover it pretty fast, though. Y- you can walk? oh uh, n- Never mind. Come on, Lois. Let's get out of here. <laughs>
6: Aren't you getting
1: into the taxi with me? No, Lois. You zip back to the planet and report the story of Bucky's disappearance to the chief.
6: And what may I ask are you going to do? Take a trip to France, maybe, to drag
1: down that clue? Could be, Lois. Could be. What? Now, look here, Croc. Daily planet driver. Make it fast. As the taxi bearing Lois Lane drives off, Clark Kent ducks into a narrow space between two buildings. There, he quickly rips off his street clothes and stands revealed as Superman. Now for a quick trip to France to find this mysterious Philippe at 25 Rue Frontenac. I hope I'm not too late to find young Buck Taylor. Up, up, and away! Zooming up into a cloudless blue sky, Superman takes a bearing from the sun. Then bearing sharply, rockets eastward across the Atlantic. Will the man of steel be successful in locating the mysterious Philippe mentioned on the paper, so cleverly hidden by the murdered foreign correspondent? And if so, will he then be able to find the young orphan Bucky Taylor before the forces that took his father's life do away with him, too? There is much mystery and intrigue woven into the thrilling episodes that follow in this new and exciting story, gang. So don't miss a minute of it. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. P.E.P. Pep Kellogg's Pep, the Sunshine Cereal, presents the Adventures of Superman.
4: Today, Superman attempts to run down a single clue to the whereabouts of young Bucky Taylor, but succeeds only in turning up a shocking
1: surprise. Hello there, gang. This is your pal, Dan McCullough. Say, I tell you, this new collection Kellogg's Pep has for you is just about the swellest one you ever saw. A big He-Man keychain for the boys and something just as swell for the girls. And I'll tell you girls more about that a little later. Now, fellas, just wait till you see this keychain. It's terrific. A big, shiny, silver-like chain, a humdinger all by itself. But just to make it something extra special, Kellogg's Pep has 12 different lucky pieces you can attach to it. Now, you got a pencil and paper handy. You don't want to miss any of this. For the keychain only, send one box stop from Super Delicious Pep and 15 cents, that's a dime and a nickel, to Superman Department 1R Battle Creek, Michigan. That's just for the keychain. Now we come to the Lucky Pieces, and they're bright and shiny, small-scale models of a locomotive, a football, a trolley car, a, a skate, a Scotty Dog, and a skull and crossbones, among others. Now, because this is a Get Acquainted offer, when you receive your first order, you'll also get a printed slip with names and pictures of all 12 Lucky Pieces on it. And you can keep right on ordering them until your collection is complete. Now, for each lucky piece, send one pet box stop and one dime, plus the names of the lucky pieces that you want, to Superman, Department 1R, Battle Creek, Michigan. That's one dime and one pet box stop for each of the lucky pieces. And for the keychain, send 15 cents. That's a dime and a nickel and one pet box stop. And remember, print your name and address plainly on your orders and mail to Superman, Department 1R, Battle Creek, Michigan. Now, the adventures of Superman. As you remember, editor Ferry White told Clark Kent how Hobie Taylor, a foreign correspondent who had been on the trail of a story of world-shaking importance, had been shot by Nazi Gestapo men just before the war ended. Having reason to believe that Taylor's 13-year-old son, Bucky, had knowledge of the story, White had been searching for him ever since. The boy had finally been located in a displaced persons camp, and White had cabled funds for his passage to America. Although Bucky was known to have boarded an ocean liner in England... He had never been seen again. Searching the boy's cabin, Kent discovered a slip of paper hidden in the roller of a battered old typewriter, on which was written, Philippe, 25 Rue Frontenac. As Superman, he rocketed to Paris, France. And as we join him now in his guise of the mild mannered reporter, he has just entered a pet shop located at 25 Rue Frontenac. Listen.
3: Bonjour, Monsieur? How do you do? My name is Clark Kent. Are you the proprietor?
1: We, oui, I am the proprietor. Oh, good. Look, I'm looking for a. a little man. dog, perhaps. No, no, you see, I. I have fun. some fine little dogs. Très belles très jolies. If you would come this no, way. No, look, look, I, I don't want, want a dog. dog, thank you. I'm looking for a, a man, dog. and perhaps a little cat, no. eh? The Siamese. The no, Look, I, I don't want a cat hmm? either. If you'll please just listen a moment. Well, I, it, I, I habit, have it. Monsieur desires a monkey. Please, no monkey. Eh? No dog, no cat, no goldfish. I'm looking for a man. A man, Yes. We. A man. A nom. A man named Philippe. Philippe? What is his last name, monsieur? That I'm afraid I don't know. But his address is 25 Rue Frontenac. 25 Rue Frontenac? This is my address. Yes, I know. That's why I came here. May I ask your name? Mais c'est I am Jean Manet. I see. Well, may I ask, monsieur Manet, how long have you been in business at this address? Oh, many years since the end of the First World War. Well, have you ever had a clerk or a partner or anyone else here by the name of Philippe? Never. May I inquire, monsieur, why you asked for this, Philippe? Are you perhaps the gendarmerie? The police? Yes. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, but it's important that I find this man, Piddy, because he may be able to help me find a certain boy. A boy? Yes, a boy named Bucky Taylor. Have you ever heard of him? Bucky. Never, never, monsieur. I see. Well, thanks very much, monsieur, my name. Oh, it is nothing, monsieur. I may be back to see you again. I regret I cannot not you, monsieur. Goodbye. Bonjour. Bonjour. Well, maybe this fellow was telling the truth, and maybe he wasn't, so
3: I think I'd better check up on him at police headquarters. Uh, taxi! <laughs>
1: Lieutenant, I must find this man, Philippe, because he may know what happened to Bucky Taylor. I understand, Monsieur Kent. You believe the proprietor of the Pet Shop Manet perhaps lied to you when he denied knowledge of the man, Philippe? Oh, I'm not saying that, but his shop is at 25 Rue Frontenac, the address written on the slip of paper I found in Hobie Taylor's old typewriter. Now, that's the only clue I have. So I thought you might be able to tell me about the Pet Shop Man, his, his character, and so on. Well, as you see, I have the dossier on Jean Manet right here, and he appears to be a man of estimable character. Where does that leave me? And Philippe, whoever he is, and Bucky Taylor. See, Lieutenant, not only do I want to find Bucky because I'm concerned for the boy's safety, but also we think he knows about the story his father turned up, a story which he said would affect the future of the entire world. Bucky's father was shot to keep him from revealing that story, and we want to know what it was. Well, naturally, monsieur. If there is anything I can do... Well, there may be something you can do, Lieutenant, sir. Huh? It's occurred to me that there is probably a 25 Rue Frontenac in other French cities. Ah, oui, that is so, monsieur. Well, then you might have directories here of French towns and maps. Eh, if I may go through ah, that. an I'm... excellent idea, monsieur. Come with me. I myself will aid you. you. This way. Here, monsieur, is another Rue Frontenac in La Havre. La Havre, eh? We found one in Marseille. That makes two. How many large towns are left? None. Only the small villages. And for most of them, there are no street guides or directories. Well, let's hope I find my man in Marseille or La Havre. Thanks very much, Lieutenant. I'll let you know how I come up. Uh, but wait, monsieur. I will telegraph the authorities in Marseille and La Havre. They will investigate the Rue Frontenac addresses in their cities No, don't and... bother, Lieutenant. I can cover them faster myself. Uh, you? You can travel hundreds of miles faster than the telegraph, huh? What? Well, what is this, you say, Michelle? Oh, oh, <laughs> that, that's, uh, well, a little, little secret of my own. I'll be seeing you, Lieutenant. So long.
3: Nobody behind this store. Good. Up for these clothes. <laughs>
1: now, as Superman, I'll try my first. There we are, all set.
5: Up and away! <laughs>
1: Door plate says Doctor Bonard. No first name. Well, maybe it's Philip Oh, here comes somebody. Bonjour, monsieur. How do you do? Are you Doctor Bonard? Uh, oui, you wish to be expected. Doctor Philippe Bonard? Uh, no, no, I'm Andre Bonard. Uh oh. You are seeking me Doctor Philippe Bonard, monsieur. Well, I, I don't know. The, that is, I don't know if he's a doctor or not. But then I, why do you come to I'm me? looking for a man named Philippe, whose last name I do not know, but who lives at 25 Rue Frontenac. This address is 25 Rue Frontenac. Yes. There is no one here of on the name of Philippe. Are you sure, doctor? Mais c'est un that's it's all. I'm sorry. I should have explained. <laughs> you see, I'm an American newspaper reporter, and it's very important that I find this fellow Philippe. As I say, I only know that he lives at 25 Rue Frontenac. Well, he does not live here, monsieur, nor has he ever
3: lived here. I see.
1: Uh, tell me, Dr. Bonard, have you ever heard of Bucky Taylor? Bucky Taylor no. You positive? I have told you, monsieur, I know nothing of these people you inquire about. Nor do I like being questioned. I'm a busy man. All right, I'm sorry. Forgive me for troubling you, doctor. Goodbye. Bonjour. (laughs)
4: Well, I drew another blank, so back to my Superman identity. I'll try La Havre now. And if that doesn't pan out, I'll have to search every town in France and Belgium. All set now for La Havre. Oh!
1: And away! Hello, my name is Clark Kent. I'm an American newspaper reporter, and I'm looking for a man named Philippe. Do you have anyone of that name staying with you, Monsieur Doyon? Philippe? Yes. What is his family name, Monsieur? That I do not know. Well, there are many with the name Philippe. Yes, but there's only 125 Rue Frontenac in La Havre. Tell me, please, is there a man named Philippe living here? Uh, oui, there is such a one. There is?
6: Oui. Philippe Dulac, but...
2: Dulac, is he in now?
1: Uh, oui, but... Take me to him, please. Oh, tell me where his room is.
6: But if you do not know his full name or even what he looks it's like...
1: It's extremely important. Please take me to him. Oh, here. Here's something for your trouble. Oh, merci, monsieur, merci. Come, I will take you to Philippe Dulac. Follow me, please. Oh.
4: Monsieur don't climb to the attic, Monsieur Kent, but here.
1: We come now to Monsieur Durac's room. Is that his room straight ahead? That is it. Great Scott. What? What is it, Monsieur? Something's happened in that room. Come on, Monsieur Dorio. Open the door. Hurry! Followed by the old pension keeper. Park Kent leaps toward the door of the little attic room. What has Kent's X-ray vision seen through the door? As we continue now, Clark Kent has just thrown open the door of the attic room at 25 Rue Frontenac in La Havre, France. Monsieur Doriot, elderly French rooming housekeeper, gasps as Kent says. Look, Monsieur Doriot, on the floor. Look, He lies on his face. You can see his arms and legs are bound. Yes, obviously somebody got here before we did. Now, if only he's alive. Well, does
2: he live, me Kent?
1: Yes. Yes, he's breathing.
3: Yeah.
1: Wait a minute, I'll, I'll turn him over.
3: Here for Monsieur.
1: That poor fellow, he's been gagged, too. It... What the... No, no. That is not Philippe Dulac. You're telling me? I know
4: this man. I know him well. Who? Who
1: is he? This man is Herbert Calkins of Scotland Yard. Scotland Yard? Yeah. Yes, but how did he get here? Who knocked him out and tied him up? And what's happened to Philippe Dulac? Lac? <laughs> His eyes wide with amazement, Clark Kent stares down at Herbert Corkins, the famous Scotland Yard detective who, only a short time ago, almost succeeded in revealing Kent's true identity as Superman. No wonder Kent is stupefied. How did Herbert Corkins come into this alarming predicament in a shabby little rooming house in La Havre, France? And what has happened to the man named Philippe, who had occupied this room, and on whom Kent is counting to lead him to the missing Bucky Taylor, and to the sensational story for which Bucky's father died... Tomorrow, our story takes an even stranger turn, fellows and girls. So don't miss the next exciting episode when we and Superman learn more and encounter even stranger developments. Be sure to tune in tomorrow, same time, same station. And remember for breakfast, it's Kellogg's pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comic Magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time
0: by Kellogg's Pep, the Sunshine Cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman.
1: Clark Kent learns from Herbert Calkins of a world-shaking plot against peace. And as both realize that the mysterious Philippe is their only clue, a terrific explosion is thrown at their very feet. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Hey, that news is spreading like wildfire. It was only a week ago that I began telling you about the wonderful new pep collection. And already girls are telling their friends all about the nifty charm bracelet and charms that Kellogg's Pep is offering. And the fellows are all sending for the swell keychains and lucky pieces. So how about you? You want to get in on that fun, don't you? Well, then get a pencil and paper, and I'll tell you all about it. Now, first, uh, I'll give the girls all the dope, and I'll get back to you fellas in just a few minutes. Now, girls, to get your beautiful silver-like charm bracelet, send one dime and one pet box stop to Superman, Department 1R, Battle Creek, Michigan. That's one dime and one pet box stop just for the bracelet, and the charms are extra. Now, there are 12 of them, all bright and shiny small-scale models of binoculars, a skate, a trolley, a cuckoo clock, a violin, and a telephone, among others. I can't describe them all, but when you receive your first order, you'll get a printed slip with it, and on it, you'll find the names and the pictures of the Twelve Charms. And when you see what you're getting, boy, I bet you you won't want to stop ordering until your collection is complete. Now, here's how to get started on your charm collection. For each of the charms, you send one box stop from Pep, the sunshine cereal, and one dime, plus the names of the charms you want, to Superman Department 1R, Battle Creek, Michigan. That's one dime and one Pep box stop for each of the charms, and one dime and one Pep box stop for the charm bracelet, and mail to Superman Department 1R, Battle Creek, Michigan. Print your name and address plainly on your orders. Now, fellas, you stick around, because I'm going to get to you in just a few minutes. And now, the adventures of Superman. As you remember, Bucky Taylor, 13-year-old orphan son of a former Daily Planet foreign correspondent, mysteriously disappeared from a ship bound from England to America. Clark Kent searched the boy's cabin, and in the roller of an old typewriter found a slip of paper on which was written, Philippe, 25 rue Frontenac. As Superman, he streaked to France, and finally in the city of La Havre, he located a rooming house in which a man named Philippe lived. But when Kent and the elderly rooming house proprietor entered Philippe's attic room, they found an unconscious man, bound and gagged, lying on the floor. Dorico, the rooming house proprietor, gasped. Mon Dieu, this is not Philippe. No, this is Herbert Calkins of Scotland Yard. In astonishment, Kent stared down at Herbert Calkins, the famous Scotland Yard detective, who once had almost succeeded in revealing his identity as Superman. And as we continue now... Kent has placed the stocky middle aged detective on a couch and, freeing him of a gag and bonds, has succeeded in reviving him. Listen. Now, oh, take it easy, Mr. Corkins. Everything's under control. Water, Dorio. We Quickly, please. Here it is, monsieur. Uh, thanks. Drink this, Corkins. No, easy, easy. I uh, cannot uh, comprehend, monsieur Kent. How came oh. this man, who you say is a great English detective, uh, to be here? You got me, but we ought to know the answers in a moment. Uh, hey. Uh, you better now, Corkins? Yes, I. Kent, right, Joe Clark Kent. Right. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? I asked you first. Uh, Well, I came here to find a man named Philippe, and I... You did, so did I. You both seek the same man. But where is Philippe? That's what I want to know. Just let me... No, 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 wait a minute. Don't get up yet, Corkins. Better rest him. I'm all right now, Kent. The blighter wrapped me on the head with a belly blackjack or something. Who did, Philippe? Oh, no, old chap, someone else. But more of that later. Let's see about Philippe. Where is he? What happened to him? Uh, I do not know. No, nor do I. I came up here to find him and found you. Uh, I must say I was certainly played for a sucker, as you Americans say. What? We should say you were. Hey, hold on. You, who are you? Uh, I I am your, Monsieur. And the proprietor of this rooming house. Uh, look here, Dorio. What do you know about Philippe Dulac's disappearance? Uh, I know nothing. Oh, monsieur. come, come now, my man. I swear it, monsieur. I brought up this gentleman, Monsieur Kent, to call on Philippe Dulac. That's right. Now listen, Mr. chap Tell me, Torrio, so far as you know, was Philippe here when I came up. That was, let's see, uh, a little after three o'clock. I do not know, monsieur. I was then at the market. Hmm. Well, uh, see here. Will you be good enough to wait downstairs, my man? I uh, want to speak to Mr. Kent privately. Oui, monsieur. I will be downstairs. Good. Close the door after you, please. That's a good chap. We oui. Now, Kent. Wait a minute, Mr. Collins. Before we do any talking, we'd better contact the Lahore police. Not yet, old boy. This is not a job for the police. Well, of course it is. Somebody, not Philippe, you say, knocked you out. Yes, yes. Well, the same person might have done something to Philippe and taken him away. I've got to find right, him. Right, old boy, quite. And I must find him, too. Well. But believe me when I say we can't call in the French police here. Why? What do you mean? Tell me first why you came all the way from America to find this man, Philippe. Well, All right. I'm looking for a boy named Bucky Taylor who boarded the liner Nautilus in England but disappeared the first day out. Is the the mean overboard? No, I don't think so. I, I think he was lured from the ship or forcibly taken from it before it sailed. I see. Now, what does all this to do with Philippe? I'm coming to that. Bucky's cabin had been thoroughly searched, whipped apart. But I found a slip of paper hidden in the roller of an old typewriter which had belonged to Bucky's father. And Philippe's name was written on it together with the address 25 Rue Frontenac. Hey, Joe. You say you found this slip of paper in the boy's father's typewriter? That's right. You see, Hobie Taylor was a crack foreign correspondent for the Daily Planet who was murdered by the Nazi Gestapo in Sweden just before the war ended. Yes. And get this, Corkins. Just before Hobie was killed, he told my editor, Perry White, on the transatlantic telephone that he had hold of a sensational story that would affect the future of the entire world after the war. I and see. And here's the payoff. From something Hobie said, Mr. White is sure that Hobie's son, Bucky, knows something about that story. Really? He does? Yes. I think his knowledge of that story, whatever it is, is the reason for Bucky's disappearance. You know, Kent... It must be the same story I'm after. You? You're after Hobbes? Yes. St- now, look, Kent. What? This is in strict confidence, you understand? You can trust me. I know I can, so listen. We at Scotland Yard have reason to believe that a gigantic plot is in progress against the World Peace Organization. What? By whom? We have very little information, and I'm not at liberty to tell you what we do have except this. We are quite certain that a person known only as the Man Without a Face is behind it. Man Without a Face? What are you talking about? A man without a face is the most dangerous man in the world. We don't know who he is or where he is. We only know that he has a tremendous amount of money and influence, and that he's on the wrong side of the law. You say this this unknown character is behind the plot against the World Peace Organization? Yes, that much we're certain of. And as I say, now I think your chap, Hobie Taylor, had this same story with full details, and was killed to keep him from revealing it. Why do you say that? Because the trail I'm following led to this man, Philippe, too. Oh? But you understand this, Ken... Philippe is on our side. That's fine. Now, just who is he? That I am not at liberty to reveal. Take my word for it, he's on our side. I had an appointment to see him here today at three o'clock. But But when you got here, somebody knocked you out. Right, just as I entered the room. I didn't even get a look at the platter. First time anything like this has ever happened to me, by joke. Well, never mind that now. It seems our immediate job is to find Philippe. Right, old boy. But I'm afraid we'll never find Philippe, no. Why do you say that? Because Philippe knew too much, you see. And I'm afraid he's been done in by representatives of the men without a face. Well, then then how do we find Bucky and get his story? I don't know, old chap. Come on, let's search this room. Uh, if you insist. I do insist. It's our only hope. Come on, start looking. Well, that's that, Mr. Corkins. There's nothing in this room to give us a lead. As I was sure there wouldn't be, Candleman. Well, then, where do we go from here? That's a bit of a poser, old chap. Hmm. But we can't just give up. I won't give up. There's too much at stake. I quite agree. Wait a but... minute. I just thought of something. Yes, Well, what's that? Billy must have known he was mixed up in a dangerous business. course oh, she did. And that he himself was in danger. So it seems to me he would have left something behind, some clue, just in case anything happened to but him. But we've just searched this room from stem to stern, old boy, and we've turned up exactly nothing. So, he didn't leave anything in this room. But he might have left it someplace else. Hey, maybe Dorio would know. Dorio? Oh, the proprietor of this ponsel? Yes. He's downstairs. Come on, let's ask him. <laughs> Philippe left with me a small trunk. It is in the cellar. I see. That's a splendid bit of luck. Yes. Will you show it to us, Monsieur Doriot? Well, after all, Monsieur, it is the private property of Philippe, and I... But if something happened to him, as we think... Here, my man. Have a look at my credentials. As you can see, I'm from Scotland Yard. Mm -hmm. I see. Well, there can be no great harm, perhaps, in showing you the trunk. Come in. Good. Come on, Mr. Corkins. And uh, keep your fingers crossed, as we say in America. (laughs) led by the elderly rooming house proprietor Clark Kent and Herbert Hawkins descend send a narrow flight of steps to a dark, damp cellar. Will they find in Philippe's trunk a clue to the missing Bucky and to the mysterious story for which his father died? As we continue now, we find Clark Kent and Herbert Hawkins in the damp, earthen-floored cellar of Monsieur Dorio's rooming house, where they are standing before a small, battered trunk. With them is Monsieur Dorio, who, holding aloft a lighted candle, says,
6: This is the trunk of Philippe Dulac, Monsieur. The one he have asked
1: me to keep safe for him. It'll be safe enough with us, my man. We just want to go through it. See if you can open it. Right. There we are. Empty, by Jove. We. It is empty. Not quite, Mr. Hawkins. How well, can you say that, old chap? It's obviously as empty as Mother Hubbard's cupboard. You're wrong. <laughs> What's that? Eh? Sounded like a window going up. Yes. Corkins, Dorigo, look out! <laughs> Leaping forward, Clark Kent shouts a warning as a terrific explosion lights up the dark little cellar, shattering Philippe's little trunk to smithereens and shaking the foundations of the ancient house. What has happened to the men who were with Clark Kent? Was the person responsible for the explosion a representative of the man without a face who was anxious to prevent Kent from having what his X-ray vision saw in Philippe's trunk? The mystery and the menace of our story grows deeper as Superman's search for young Bucky Taylor brings him closer to the individual known only as... The man without a face. A man who has launched a gigantic plot against the World Peace Organization. So don't miss a minute of it. Be sure to tune in Monday, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the
0: sunshine cereal. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes.